powdered. Ask in front of everybody because then I'll get what I want to do. Okay. <laughs>
But it's no fun to be judged, to be put at the mercy of somebody who has authority to alter your life in such a significant way. And so, Zephaniah, we find ourselves back again with judgment. 
The day of the Lord is a common phrase in Zephaniah. In fact, if you were to read all of the 12 minor prophets, Zephaniah, out of all the minor prophets, brings out the judgment of the Lord in the most severe way and the strongest sense of the word. The day of the Lord is repeated, I think, a dozen times in these three chapters from the prophet Zephaniah. And he says over and over that he's going to hold these people accountable. And he's not just talking to the nations around his people, Judah, in Jerusalem. He's talking to his own people. And so I want to take a moment here to to read some of this. And we're not going to put the Zephaniah passages on the screen for you. I'm going to make you work a little bit today. And I'm going to make you pull out your Bible or the Bible in the pew and pull it out. Because I thought about this. I've been doing you a disservice through this whole series. You know, in trying to make it accessible, most, uh, as accessible as possible, I'm also not helping some of us here who might, might not be aware of where Zephaniah is in the Bible. So I'm going to ask you to pull it out. And if you do know where Zephaniah is, you can, you know, hey, I know where Zephaniah is. You can go right to it and you can show them. But the fourth from the last book of the Old Testament, you got Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And so we're going to look at the passages in Zephaniah out of the Bible. And then there's some other passages I'm going to look at that aren't in Zephaniah. We'll put on the screen for you. So I, I'm not being really hard and cold today. Just, just a little bit. But in Zephaniah chapter 1, we hear of this judgment. And beginning in verse 2, he says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both men and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The wicked will have only heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. That's pretty severe. I'm going to wipe off the face of the earth. And if you notice, actually, when he says, I'll sweep away both men and animals, I'll sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, that is the exact opposite of the order of creation. Like God is like retracting everything, going backwards in creation, going back to when the earth was nothing. Just this darkness. And the wicked will only have heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will cut off from this place every remnant of Baal, the names of the pagan and the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord and who also swear by Moloch those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of Him. Be silent before the Sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those He has invited. And on that day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the princes and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gate. That's like saying, that's the center of commerce. That's like if God were to say, on that day, declares the Lord, I will, a cry will go up from Wall Street, wailing from the new quarter and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district. All you merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be ruined. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent who are like wine left on its dregs. I, I'm not a wine connoisseur, but uh, from what I understand, when you make wine, you don't want to leave the, the, the juice in the sediment too long because the sediment is what gives it its color and its sweetness. But if you leave it too long, it becomes too thick and sweet and it's not good to drink. 
So what he's telling them here is that you're like wine left on its dregs. So you're no good for drinking. You're just full of yourself. And you're of no worth. You who think, and this is how they think, the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. They gave no consideration to the Lord whatsoever. And this is the Lord's people. In the Lord's city. The heart of God's people. God's people will do nothing. They say the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered. Their houses demolished. They will build houses but not live in them. They will plant vineyards but not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near. Near and coming quickly. Listen. The cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter. The shouting of the warrior there. Now, isn't that just a nice, warm, fuzzy reading on a Sabbath morning? God doesn't seem too happy there. It's pretty hard to take, to think about. Is this the same God that sent Jesus? That so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life? Hmm. Move with me to chapter 2. We begin to get a glimmer of hope, if you will. A glimmer of hope. But before we look at this glimmer of hope, this word that comes from the Lord, and first of all, let's remember this word from Zephaniah is not Zephaniah talking about God. This is God calling Zephaniah to be a prophet with a message to give to the people. So these are God's words to His people. And God is inviting them into something. He says, Gather together. Gather together, O shameful nation, before the appointed time arrives. And that day sweeps on like chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you. Before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what He commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Why is God telling them all of this stuff about judgment? Because He wants to destroy? Because He wants to? No, God wants to save. And so He sends a messenger ahead to say, save your life. Get honest with God. Get real with God. Come back to God. You see, what I love about God, one of the many things, is that God calls sin, sin. He's not one of those, and maybe, maybe you're one of these people or you know people, you know, you, there's something in the room that we don't want to talk about. So if we just don't look at it or talk about it, maybe it'll go away. I'm glad God's not like that. God sees sin and He has to do something about it. Because sin is the opposite of love. Sin is what fights against love. Sin is what will destroy people and His creation. And so He has to deal with sin. He has to stop people sacrificing their children. He has to stop these things. In chapter 3, you see even more, and I'm not going to read it to you, but in chapter 3, the first probably seven verses, He describes the corruption of the priests and the leaders and Everything about them, everything is corrupt. But in chapter 2, he says this to the people. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what He commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. 
And in the book of Zephaniah, in, chapter, in verse uh, 6 and 7, Zephaniah talks about a remnant. It says, The land by the sea where the Carathites dwell will be a place for shepherds and sheep pens. It will belong to the remnant of the house of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Eshkelon. The Lord their God will care for them and He will restore their fortunes. There's going to be this remnant, this small group of people that, that still trust God. That live humbly before Him and recognize that, that He is everything and that His way is the only way and that truth matters and righteousness matters and treating people right matters. And in fact, in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3, He describes the remnant a little more. He says, But I will leave within you the meek and the humble who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will speak no lies, nor will deceit be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. These people who trust God. We were driving the other day, and uh, my daughter asked, asked me and my son, if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask for? You know, and, and I thought the questions stopped at two, but they don't. They keep going as they get older. The questions just get better and better and better. And so now with my kids in junior high, Dad, if you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? And I thought about it, and I said, I know exactly what I'd ask for. The one thing I would ask for, and, I, and maybe this is pretty selfish, and it's not a Camaro or a Ferrari or any of those things. I said, the one thing I would ask for is to be able to trust God completely. To be able to trust God completely. Now, I would like to say as your pastor, one of your pastors, that I trust God completely. But then you'd know I'm lying. So <laughs> it wouldn't matter. But wouldn't you just love to be able to trust God completely? That means not one iota of doubt or worry or fear or anxiousness or anything. To be able to trust God completely. God says, there are those still there in Judah who are trusting me. Maybe not completely, but they're trusting me even though the rulers are corrupt and the priests are corrupt and the merchants are corrupt and Wall Street and everything else has got its issues. There is a remnant who just humbly live before me, trusting in me. Well, this word of hope, this glimmer of hope in chapter 2 becomes louder in chapter 3. In fact, it's no longer a spoken word, but now it becomes a word that is sung. A word that God Himself sings that He invites His people to sing. And in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. You know what's so amazing about our God? The story these windows tell is that God has to call sin by its name and He has to deal with sin. But we serve and have such an amazing God 
that he took the punishment on himself. While we all deserve to be punished for our sin, what does Romans say? The wages of sin is death. And in my favorite word, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God who has to bring the day of the Lord, who has to deal with the corruption and the evil that's in the world, took the punishment Himself. What He suffered and died on the cross. And remember the cross, the Bible, the law says, cursed is anyone who's hung on a cross. Jesus was cursed for you and I. So we wouldn't have to be. When Jesus was on the cross and He said, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? He experienced in that moment the ultimate wage of sin. Separation from God. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for everyone who wants to know His love. I love the Scriptures. I just want to share a few of them with you. From, from the New Testament to remind us. We know John 3.16, but it's good to remember John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And I love the message translation of this. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And of course, Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2, As you know, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Ah, yes. And Romans 5. For you see, Paul says, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we live, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, as Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is good news, church. You see, when we read these these words of the Old Testament minor prophets, I'm sure as we read it, we hear judgment, we hear, and, it, and it brings to mind the judgment that's to come. And some of us here today might be thinking, oh, I hope I make it through the judgment. Some of you might be like, like a sweet elderly lady I knew down in San Diego who said, I want a line dance so bad, but I'm afraid if I do, I won't make it to heaven. 
she needs to come to Calamesa on the last Saturday of August, right? Because I know you're all going to heaven, so. But the good news that Zephaniah brings is, yes, there's a judgment. But God, verse 15, the Lord has taken away your punishment. The Lord has taken away your punishment and He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. Okay, For some of you who have a problem with people raising your hands, you need to read this passage. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. And He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Just sit there for a minute and think about God rejoicing over you with singing. That's what I say. (laughs) Hallelujah. See, sometimes when you all don't say anything, the Spirit moves on little children to make you think. That's why we say God is good all the time. Because in spite of our sin... God took the judgment. God took the pain and the sin so we would never be separated from Him again. What an amazing, amazing God. And believe it or not, this is the God of the Old Testament. God was happy back then. God was providing a way. You know, this week, I uh, I received some bad news from a friend. A friend of mine, uh, we met back when I was about 18, 19 years old, and he was just recently married, or I think he was going to get married. You know, you get to a certain age, you can't remember everything, you know, at a certain point. And uh, they began to have their family, a young boy and a little girl, and um, I still remember the boy growing up, and I missed him, sorry, I was distracted by a piece of lint going across my face. And there was... uh, we hadn't talked for about 15 years, maybe through Facebook or something. And then I got word this week that his son was in a horrible, horrible accident, 24 years old. And turned out, unfortunately, his son didn't make it. And uh, I was reading some of the Facebook posts and, you know, praying for him. And, and he was going to have MRIs done and different things. And he was still conscious at this point. And before he went into a coma, my friend's mother, this, this young man's grand, grandmother, said to him, God sure had you in his hands in that accident. And the last words he said before he wasn't able to speak anymore was, were these words, God still has me in his hands. Your life in God's hands is a great place to be. And as we, you might think about the judgment, that might bring fear, it might bring anxiety, but I want to tell you today, there is nothing to fear. Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus took the judgment on the cross so we could know God and never be separated from Him again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for coming to this earth and dying for us for taking the punishment, the wages of sin, so we could never be separated from You. 
so we could know life as you created us to live it. Thank you for the words of Zephaniah, Lord. And Lord, as I think about the story, there are always those who, who don't want to humble themselves before you, who don't want to accept life as it is. And Lord, we know that Judah went on and Babylon came in and they went into exile. We know that they went on and went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple again after that. And, and then you came. You still found religious leaders behaving badly. You still found governments that were corrupt, even in Jerusalem, your, your city. But Lord, I thank you that in spite of who we are at times, you are always you. You are always faithful. Your love never fails. And the gift you offer us in your life, your death, and your resurrection is always there. May we rest in you. May we trust our life in your hands all the way through the rest of time into eternity. Take a moment in silent prayer now just to talk to Jesus and just rest in his hands. now as we go. May you sing. May you shout aloud. May you be glad and rejoice for the provision God has made for us in His judgment, in His gift of love and life through Jesus Christ. God bless you.